for the first time, I forgot to look in the Pew Bible to tell you what page it's on. So you'll have to find that yourselves. Philippians 4, verses 14 to 19. Just because I didn't do that, I'll say it a couple more times. Philippians 4, 14 to 19. Verse 14. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. Not that I'm looking for a gift, but I am looking for what may be credited to your account. I have received full payment and even more. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Ephroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. May God bless the reading of his word. Good morning to you. Okie dokie. I wonder if you have seen this kind of art. If you Google it, it, you can look up magic eye or seeing eye. There, somehow, uh, with, uh, with laser technology, they have actually embedded into the, this art a three-dimensional picture. Have you seen it? If you stare at it long enough, this three-dimensional picture will come clear to you. I know you're trying to do that right now. You won't be able to do it right now. But uh, in this picture, there's actually a couple of palm trees. In this picture, there's actually a fawn in there. Trust me, I, I, I did this at, was staring at my computer the other day. There's a fawn in there. And in this one, there's actually, uh, you know, the, the Christian fish, and there's a little cross in, in, near the fish's head. In order to see the object, you're going to have to trust me on this. In order to see the object, you have to focus your eyes differently. Some people say you have to cross your eyes or you have to kind of focus forward, not on the surface of the thing, but uh, deeper, focusing forward. So I'd like to carry that analogy of focusing not on the surface, but focusing forward. I'd like to carry that analogy into our topic for the day, which is giving. Giving money. Generosity. Focusing forward. We need to see what is not apparent on the surface. We need to see more than what is simply on the surface. Shall we pray? Gracious Father, help us. Give us the mind of Christ. Give us eyes of faith in this Christian discipline of giving, generosity. Help us to see what you see in this matter of money. In Jesus' name, amen. First truth that our text shows us concerning giving, focusing forward, not just looking at the surface. 
The first truth is that we need to see giving as an investment, a wise investment. Now, you and I tend to think of giving, giving away our hard-earned money as a, a charity, giving it to somebody who doesn't earn their own money, somebody, you know, some, maybe helping out the needy, somebody who's dependent. And there's truth in that, obviously, right? You are giving away some of your hard-earned money and giving to needy people. But do you ever think of another truth that you are actually investing for your benefit? You're going to have to focus differently, not just on the surface level. We, you and I tend to think of giving as an obligation or a duty. <sighs> and there's truth in that. It is a Christian duty. Our Lord taught us to give away. He modeled it for us. He talked about it in the scripture. But there's more. Giving is actually an investment. You and I tend to think of giving as actually, if we're, if we're honest with ourselves, as a hindrance or a bother. You know, it's, it's, it's keeping me from what I really want to do. I have to give away part of my money and I can't spend it on X, Y, or Z. And there's some truth in that. C.S. Lewis said, if our charitable giving does not at all pinch us, he said, I, I should say we're probably giving away too little. But there's more. It's not just a hindrance and a block to your, you know, your, your desires. It is actually an investment, so says Holy Scripture. Now look deeper, look deeper. When I left Macedonia, that's like northern Greece, the Apostle Paul says, no, nobody helped me. No, no church entered into partnership with me in this matter of giving and receiving, except you, you Philippians. Not that I'm seeking this gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Because I've received full payment and more. Now, I'm phrasing this, uh, we invest God's money. You know, it accrues... Uh, Interest. It's not quite apparent on the surface reading of this, but here's, here's what I uh, want to call your attention to. Uh, nobody entered into partnership in this matter of giving and receiving. In Greek, that's actually a financial phrase. It's deb- debits and credits. It's, 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 uh, it's commerce language. Uh, nobody did this except you. And the last phrase, I have received full payment. That's another uh, commerce. That's a business term. It's like, boom, stamped, paid in full. But especially that middle phrase, this increases, this matter of giving increases to your credit. What in the world does that mean? It means when we give, when we are generous, when we steward God's money, we're actually investing. It increases to your credit. We're actually investing. The, uh, this truth is a little bit clearer in other portions of the Scripture, such as First uh, Timothy. As for the rich in this present age, charge them to do good, to be rich in good deeds. Be generous, ready to share. Thus, 
storing up for themselves, storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Alright? What does the Apostle Paul say? He says, teach those who are rich in this present age. Psst! That's you and me. For the most part, I assume. Teach the rich to be, to, to be generous and ready to share and you know, rich in good deeds. Why? Because you are storing up. You're investing. You're sending it on ahead. You're storing up treasure as a good investment, good foundation for the future so that you can really take hold of life. The word take hold, it means to seize, to grab with both hands. Do you remember when Peter walked on water? We actually kind of sang about that in one of our songs. There's an allusion to let me walk on the waters. And then you remember what happened? He started to drown. The Bible says Jesus reached out, same word, and grabbed him, seized him with both hands. You should seize life by doing what? Giving. Investing for the future. This investment, this seizing of life, takes place in this age as well as the next age. When you give money away, our Lord Jesus said, it is more blessed to, help me out, to do what? It is more blessed to, to give rather than... What does blessed mean? That's kind of like religious language. It means happy. You know, a good life, it's joyous, it's happy. It is, it, it is, in, in Hawaii they say, more better. It's more better. It's more better to give than to receive in this life. You want life? You want happiness? Of course you do. I do. You want to seize it? Give it away. That's what our Lord Jesus said. It's more better. To give than to receive. Here's Randy Alcorn. Let me read to you a quotation from Randy Alcorn. This guy, uh, he writes a lot about giving and, you know, stewarding and generosity. And he, he's a pretty popular speaker and author, Randy Alcorn. He makes a lot of money from his book sales and he travels the world speaking. But you know what? No matter what his income is this year or this year or this year, he always lives on this. Gives, gives all the rest away. This is a fairly modest salary and an income. I, he, he, you know, it's, he lives in a normal house. He drives an old beater of a car. He lives out in Oregon. And uh, no matter how much he makes, he, he just lives on this. But here, here's what Randy Alcorn says. He says, in my own experience, there's nothing more exhilarating than to participate in God's kingdom program by meeting the spiritual and physical needs of others. Nothing is so stimulating, nothing is so rewarding as joining the highest cause in the universe, bringing glory to God by extending His grace to others. From the day I came to Christ as a high school student, Randy Alcorn says, financial giving has been part of my walk with God. I don't consider myself to be some perfect model of giving. 
Yet, many of the greatest joys in life that I have experienced have come because of giving. Do you lack joy? You may find it in giving. What am I saying? I'm saying we tend to think of giving as kind of a pain, kind of a duty, kind of a roadblock to my desires. I get all of that. I get all of it. It is a duty. It is a discipline. I get that. But you've got to look further. You've got to look deeper. Not just the surface. There's a three-dimensional image. But... And here's what you need to think about. According to the Bible, you're giving is an investment. In this life, it's more better, it's happier to give than to receive. Now compare Randy Alcorn and compare uh, this scriptural teaching with some really rich guys from the late 1800s, early 1900s. They called these people the, the rail, rail, railroad tycoons, the railroad barons. Guys like, uh, this is John uh, Rockefeller, He said, I have made many millions, but they have brought me no happiness. So said Rockefeller. Here's uh, W.H. Vanderbilt. The care of 200 million is enough to kill anyone. There is no pleasure in it. So it's just a guy who uh, been there, done that. Here's uh, John Jacob Astor out from the Pacific Northwest. I am the most miserable man on earth. But if you want to invest in your own season of life, try giving. Try generosity. The scripture says, God loves a cheerful Giver. What in the world does this mean? Because you and I know that God loves everybody, right? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And yet here we have a statement that sort of seems to single out or set apart cheerful givers. So what does this mean? I think the idea is probably God is a giver. This is the nature of God. This is the essence of God. At this time of year, this Christmas time of year, we remember, uh, what is it, 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians? Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift, Jesus. Could you imagine giving away your son? God Himself is a giver. And so when we mimic God, when we follow God, we we just find real communion. Our hearts are melded together. I think that's the idea. God loves a cheerful giver. I'll give you an an analogy. Let's say, um, let's say you are a hunter. You just love hunting, deer hunting, whatever, pheasants. You just, excuse me, let's say your friend is a big-time hunter. He or she has all the guns and the equipment and the camouflage and knows all of the best places. and is passionate about hunting. And this is your good friend. And you love your friend. And your friend loves you. But you're not a hunter. You just don't get it. Like, what is the great happiness in wearing orange and killing things and it's freezing cold out there and it's so miserable. I don't get it. Okay? You guys love each other, right? You're good friends 
But in the area of hunting, you don't really connect. You with me? You love God. God loves you. Absolutely. Case closed. But in this area of giving, because God is a passionate giver. He's a hunter, right? He, he, he gave His own Son. You don't really connect. That may be the idea with a verse like Second Corinthians. God loves, identifies with, shares, connects with a cheerful giver. What am I saying? I'm saying we need to think of giving as an investment in this life. Okay, hang on to your hat now. I want to give you some more biblical teaching. Because the Bible also teaches it is an investment for the next life. Heaven. Next age. Look at these verses. Lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven. What does that mean? Our Lord Jesus said, Go, sell all that you possess, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Peter said, Look, hey, wow, man, we, we've left everything to follow you. What will we have in the next stage? Jesus said, Everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or fathers or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. Do you think these treasures in heaven, this, you know, inheriting a hundredfold, do do you think it's literal? I haven't been able to decide because a lot of our Lord's teaching on the, you know, investing for the next age, a lot of his teaching comes in the form of parables, stories. I'm not sure how literal it is, but I know it means something. There's some teaching here about how you handle money now. Generosity will have some causal impact, some causal link with your something in the next stage. But as I say, a lot of this teaching comes in parables like this. Blessed is that servant. He's told a story about a servant. uh, Whom his master will find serving faithfully when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Well done, good servant. You shall have authority over ten cities. Do you think that's literal? I don't know. If it is literal, I would like one of my cities to be Rockport, Massachusetts. I would also enjoy Cannon Beach, Oregon. And if I'm allowed to choose, I would also take Hilo, Hawaii. I don't know how literal this is. I do know that our Lord's trying to convey to us If you are faithful now, if you're generous now, if you give now, it is a wise investment for the next stage. Will you please, will God please help us to focus a little deeper, a little further, to set our eyes, I don't know if we have to cross our eyes or something, but to see giving 
is more than just an obligation, more than just, I'm helping out the poor people. I'm doing... It is an investment for this age. Happiness. It is an investment for the next age. So says our Lord Jesus. Okay, let me uh, turn the, the, the corner here and uh, talk about another uh, uh, way to look at giving from our passage. And it is this. Giving is a sweet sacrifice of worship. The scripture says, I'm well supplied. I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts, money that you sent. Here's, here's, let me describe the money you sent. It is a fragrant offering. A sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. You hear the, uh, the sacrifice language. He's talking like Old Testament, you know, sacrificing a lamb or pouring out wine or your burnt offerings and all this. It is, he's using worship language about what? About some money. The Philippians sent with this guy named Epaphroditus and sent it on to help Paul. It is a fragrant, pleasing sacrifice in God's view. Do you ever look at giving that way? God loves generosity. It's beautiful. So says the Scripture. We have that kind of language, this sacrifice language in uh, places like Hebrews. Do not neglect to do good and to share with what you have. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Same language in Romans 12, same language in 1 Peter chapter 2. So we, uh, we picture... We picture in our minds an Israelite family back from the Old Testament days. They're going to the temple to make a yearly sacrifice. This is their religion. This is their method of worship that God has prescribed. But they're very poor. They, they can't even afford a lamb. So the law makes a provision for them. All they have to sacrifice is a couple of pigeons. Did you know that's a, a provision made for the poor people? And it's, you know, it's just a couple of pigeons and they give them to the, the priest and he sacrifices and they put them on the altar. And God sees what they do. And he says, that's what I'm talking about. You are worshiping me in your heart and with your resources. Sacrifice. Jump up to the New Testament times. There's a, there's a, a woman. She's also very poor. She's a widow. She has hardly any money at all. And she's in the temple area, big courtyard area of the temple. And uh, they used to take the collection in the, in the courtyard area with, uh, uh, there, would, there would be chests, you know, like uh, cases, and then a big uh, sort of trumpet-shaped uh, receptacle. It's sort, of, sort of fluted like a trumpet. And you would actually kind of throw your money in, ding, 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 and it would roll down. It's like you're going to the county fair or something. And, uh, and the disciples are watching this happen, and they're watching the rich people come up, and they're like, 
throwing in some gold. And they're dumping in the gold. And then here comes this poor lady, this widow. She's got this, it's basically like a penny, maybe a quarter in today's money. And Jesus says, hey, did you guys see that? I want to tell you something. That woman just put in more than all those rich people. That was beautiful. She's giving out of her necessity, not from her abundance. Jump up to, uh, to the modern days. Let's, let's jump up to Crossbridge. Here is a, a young person. She is, she's in high school. She, 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 she doesn't make much money. She does some babysitting every now and again on the weekends. But when the offering thingamabob goes by, she puts some money in there. It's actually a pretty big percentage of what she made. It's like maybe 20 or 30 percent of what she made recently. And she just drops it in. Doesn't make a big deal out of it. Doesn't make a big production. Just puts it in there. And if I'm reading the scripture correctly, God says, Wow, it's beautiful. It is a fragrant offering. You ever think of giving money this way? Here's another young person from, uh, from Crossbridge. He's, a, he's in college. He's actually a part-time college student. The reason he's part-time is because he has to work also part-time in order to make enough money to go to, to college. His parents can't afford to pay for it, so he's putting himself through college. In the summer, he works for a landscaping company. They work long hours. It's hard physical work. In the winter, he does whatever he can find to do. He's currently a, a driver's assistant for UPS, you know, the driver, driver Christmas season driver. He drives around and the assistant runs the packages up and they work long hours. He gets paid. It's a pretty busy season, even though it's a minimum wage. And he gets 300 bucks for one week of work. And he takes that 300 bucks. And he's intending to put most of it onto his school bill. That's why he's working. But before he does that, and before he goes out to five guys for a burger... He tithes. You know what that is? That's giving away 10%. He designates it for that special missions fund. The, the, the missionaries, they need a new uh, computer. And if I'm reading the scripture correctly, God sees that. Wow. It's beautiful. You know, you, I think you've got my heart. I think you're, I think we're connecting. So the scripture teaches us that giving generously is an investment for the future. It is an investment for right now. It is a sweet sacrifice of worship. 
All right, let's wrap this up then. Let's, let's ask this question. Well, what, why don't we do it then? Why aren't we not very generous? Well, I, I can't answer for you. I don't know. I think each of us will have our own reasons. Let me just tell you what hinders me from giving generously, and maybe you can identify. Here's one thing. The world is too much with us. That's a line from the uh, poet uh, William Wordsworth. The world is too much with us. Our Lord Jesus said the world, he defined the world as the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Pride of life can be translated the boasting of what he has and does. It's taking pride. Look at me. Look at I, my essence. My value uh, is contingent. It's rooted in what I drive, how I dress, where I dine, how I decorate. That's me. And Jesus says, that's the world. That's the world's way of looking at things. But you and I are caught up in this. We're surrounded by this. The main way the world infiltrates our value system is, I think, through advertising. When my son, who's now 23 years old, was little, we used to watch TV, and when, when the ads came on, we would play a game. It was called Spot the Lie. I mean, advertising is full of lies. If you will just, uh, if you, if you will just drink Mountain Dew, then you can play at waterfalls and be healthy and young and have lots of friends and be happy. Yeah, Mountain Dew, that's the key. (laughs) But somehow we, we really kind of believe it, don't we? These values infiltrate our worldview, our, our value system. The world is too much with us. And so to the person that believes this, let let me just point out that the American dream is really uh, not a biblical value system. Do you know the phrase, the American dream? It's, you know, you work hard and you pull yourself up by your own bootstraps and you get rich and you're successful. This is the very American value system. The American dream says you work hard in high school so you can get into a dreamy college. And then you work hard in college so you can get a dream job. And you work hard at your job so you can drive a dream car. And the reason you want a dream car is so that you can attract a dream spouse. And then you can have a dream wedding. And you can build a dream house. And you can have 1.7 dream kids. And then you can go on a vacation to get away from your dream kids. And then you can work hard and build up a dream 401k. That's a retirement account. And then you can take a dream retirement. And then... You die. And you have a dream funeral. And they put you in a dream casket. In a dream hole in the ground. That's the American dream. And somehow we believe it. Because we're bombarded by these advertisements and the, the world and the, the uh, boasting of what we have and what we do and how we dress. And 
May God help me and you to reject that kind of thinking and instead to focus a little differently. Giving is an investment. Generosity is an act of worship. Second reason, here's my final one. The second reason we, that may hinder our generosity is because we're insecure. We look to money for our own security, to, you know, to save us in a sense. We feel we have to protect ourselves. And to the person who feels this, and I put myself in that category, to the person who feels this, we have our scripture Let your character be free from the love of money. Because he has said, I will never leave you. Relax. Trust. Walk by faith. Our Lord Jesus said, Don't worry saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What are we going to wear? The pagans worry about these things. Your Heavenly Father knows you need them. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. And all that other stuff will be given to you as well. All right, my friends, what if this passage of Scripture, what if this teaching on generosity were to influence you now for the next ten years? Ten years from right now, will this teaching make any difference in your wardrobe? Will this teaching make any difference in your treasure in heaven? May God help us to apply these truths, to believe these truths, to live these truths that giving is an investment and generous giving is a sweet sacrifice of worship to our great God. Gracious Father, help us to be generous because you are generous. Help us to be like you. Help us to experience the joy that comes from giving. It's more better to give than receive. Help us to be true disciples of our Lord Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.